On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. By 2018, David Bruckner was no stranger to horror. He had already directed short segments for both VHS and Southbound, as well as co-directing The Signal and directing his first feature-length film, The Ritual. However, around this time, he was given a script by the co-writing team Ben Collins and Luke Petrowski that genuinely frightened him and really troubled him. For those reasons, he knew he had to make this movie. The movie script was in fact inspired by a few things. For starters, Collins and Petrowski called the script the Hellraiser film they would never get to make. Other inspirations for the film Bruckner would go on to say would include the Shining documentary Room 237, as well as the 2000 Mark Z. Danielewski book House of Leaves. You could say that the film was becoming one of the first major ventures into architectural horror. In good faith, they sent the script to their first choice for their leading lady, actress Rebecca Hall. Rebecca felt very similar to David in the way she felt instantly connected to the script. She signed on too. The film would then go on to premiere in 2020 at the Sundance Film Festival, being purchased by Searchlight Pictures. The movie wouldn't be released, however, until August of 2021 due to the pandemic. Of course, we are talking about last year's The Night House, currently streaming on HBO Max. So sit back and don't go walking in the woods trying to find creepy houses. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. <laughs> Hello! Hi, Hello. I'm Katie. And I'm Brittany. And um, we are on episode 97, I think. Ooh, that sounds right, yeah. A great year in film. Yes. <laughs> How are you, Brett? I am good. I am good. Um, staying busy. Which? Um, how are you, Katie? I think I think you have a very similar answer to me there. So <laughs> yes, I. Uh, well, the air conditioning is on the fritz at my house, and uh, in the south, it decided to be eighty-five degrees every day this week. It's fine. It's a first-world problem. We have fans, but I'm sitting in the dark recording this, probably looking very creepy. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I wish thank God only Brick can see me. Um, but that happened. And then also, I uh, just joined the board of Birmingham Festival Theater in Birmingham, Yay. which is really cool. Thank you for the opportunity. So it's pretty exciting to work with theater because, as you guys probably know, our first love is, well, I don't know if it's our first love, but our degrees are in theater. So yeah. I love theater and movies equally. But it's definitely, I feel like theater is more accessible for me. Making theater is more accessible than making films at the moment. How, what, did you do anything, did you do anything crazy, Brett? We, um, we, we did, like, some house projects, and we had a photography session, uh, which was really nice. So we were traversing around the woods for that one, because our clients this week were like, we really want a woodsy session. And we're like, oh boy, Mm -hmm. woodsy. So... (laughs) But it was nice for being a Saturday. The woods, the wooded area we went to was a local park, uh, and it wasn't that busy. There were some people bouldering there, but it wasn't 
it was pretty peaceful, which is always nice. So it's always yep. a strange term to me. I don't know why bouldering is like <laughs> oh, it's weird to me. Um, I do want to say I must say at the beginning, may the fourth be with you because that's the day that this oh, is coming out, and all my Catholic friends just said and also with you in their head because that's how we're conditioned. Um, <laughs> uh, but also I have to apologize. So I'm editing for a short while while Ryan um, is taking care of some stuff going on in his life. We miss him dearly, but I'm editing for the moment. And we, of course, had a guest, so we recorded over Skype. And one of the channels was perfectly nice and clear. The other channel had the echo of the channel. So if you hear Britt and I echoing a lot in last week's episode, I tried to silence it as best I could. Unfortunately, I couldn't silence everything, so I'm so sorry uh, if it's, like, it's probably not up to snuff uh, sound quality-wise, so I'm sorry, but yeah, that was all my housekeeping before we get okay. into what we watched. Did you yeah, have any housekeeping? I didn't, actually. I thought I did, and then Yay. I just was like, I must have spaced out, like, <laughs> but oh, okay. no, I think I think you covered the majority of it. Um, so yeah, I, so. I watched two things, and I'm going to say my first thing first, because the second thing you watched with me. Um, yes. So we did rent Cyrano this weekend. How was it? Oh, well, you know, I've been wanting oh, no. to see it for so long, and I probably, yeah. I probably shot myself in the foot for that reason, because I was hyping it up in my head. Um, it wasn't bad. It was, it was good. Peter Dinklage was amazing. I don't think he has the best singing voice in my opinion. I'm not classically trained like you are, Katie, but I feel like I can still hear things pretty well. Yeah. He's not bad. He's not bad. Um, I just uh-huh. don't think he has as much control. I, mean, I could tell he maybe isn't yeah. classically trained. Haley Bennett, does he sing I think a lot? Is, um, he has a few solo songs and then he does sing... He does sing a lot with uh, Christian and Roxanne. So the Cyrano character has, like, a few songs where he's either duetting with Christian and Roxanne or the both of them. Um, oh, and they got a little heart full of love action going. Yeah. And Haley Bennett is amazing in it, which does not surprise me because we love oh, Haley cool. Bennett. Um, yes. Joe Wright, it is... Okay, so this is a pretty movie. And we know what him directing Atonement and Pride and Prejudice, that it was going to be a pretty movie. There's still a few mm-hmm. questionable directions in some of the scenes to me that I wasn't a big fan of, the way the camera work was done. Um, oh. And then... Um, so this is actually based on... The movie, Sereno is actually based off the, uh, the play, play that... Yeah, Peter Dinklage's wife Erica wrote, and the National did the music. Oh, it's a different so it adaptation. Went, yeah, so yeah, so okay. it's like the the version Erica wrote is based off of the original Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah, but so it is based off of that. But obviously, she was the one that came up with the brainchild that Cyrano would have dwarfism versus the big nose. Um, and there was music in the play. Inspiration. So I, guess, I wonder where yeah. she got that inspiration. I know. I have no idea where, where did they come it, from. Right? I think she's from? just sitting at home. She's like, what about? <laughs> and he's just Peter like. Just wa- Peter walks by. She's like, hmm. Glenn Hansard, who anyone knows me and knows I love Once, the movie Once. And I love the swell season, uh, who Glenn Hansard was one part of. Um, he's in the movie in a brief cameo as the first soldier that sings. And his voice is just absolutely gorgeous. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, it's still good 
It's still a good movie, guys. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm not saying it's worth watching. I'll be honest. Taylor did check out five minutes into it and started looking at his phone and didn't look up again. <laughs> uh, but but I still enjoyed. I still enjoyed it. I just didn't like it as much as I was hoping I would. So well, you know, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Sometimes, like you get really excited for things. I personally, I think people unhyped me enough for the movie we saw together that I ended up really liking it. Um, but we was there anything else you watched before we go into what we watched together? No, no, that's okay. that literally, literally Cyrano and the movie we watched together, which was in theaters, which was The Northman. Was the uh, Northman. Yes, the Northman, the which Northman. is of course Robert Eggers' third movie. Um, Which is, you know, it, you know, it's it's Alexander Skarsgård's character in True Blood. His last name is Northman. Oh yeah, Clever, Eric Northman. Yeah, because yeah. he's a Northman. Um, and I will say for Skarsgård, like the acting was one of the stronger suits of that movie. I he's feel. such a good actor. He's yeah. amazing. When he okay, so he's kind of like True Blood is always a little hit or miss because it's a melodrama. Um, however, if you see him in Big Little Lies, he is so powerful because his character is so, so fucking complicated. Um, have you seen Big Little Lies? I haven't. I know the premise of it. Actually, it's been, that's been spoiled for me is his character, so I do know that. But, yeah, like, so, like, but just, he has, he just stretches his acting capabilities so much. Um, in that, that was when I was like, oh, he's like an actor, actor. Good for you. I mean, it's kind of in his blood. His dad is an actor. All of his siblings are actors. Like, it's a big thing. But they're like, they're the Swedish actors we import into America. Need a Swedish actor? Here's a Skarsgård. Um, but anyways, he's really great. And I think he did a really great job in this movie. It's all, it's basically, it's basically Hamlet, though. Which... Which I did, I did find out, so I had to research it, because, you know, the, the, the secret, I wanted to be a dramaturg uh, in me. I was like, yeah. I have to research it. Turns out this was the legend that inspired Hamlet. Oh, cool. So it yeah. is Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but, it literally um, is Hamlet, so. it's li- But it, it honestly, it's really good. I was kind of annoyed Nicole Kidman was in it. Not that she's a bad actress, I like Nicole Kidman. But it's just like. I'm she's she's in so much stuff that I'm getting a little bit of Nicole Kidman fatigue and I love her I love her acting she's amazing but like I just see Nicole Kidman and it's not really her fault but I just see her um because she is just all over everywhere because she's a good actress and she's very like solidified in Hollywood however her character has a bit of a turn that you don't really expect and I really enjoyed that. So it was, like, very different for her. And I really liked it. She did a really good job. Um, so definitely the right choice casting of Cole Kidman. Anya Taylor-Joy was great. Um, even Ralph Innes and Kate Dickey from The Vavitch were even in it in smaller William parts. Defoe. Will, Willem Dafoe and Bjork were um, some very interesting parts. And there was a lot of, like... Um, uh, the only thing I was, when we were leaving the movie, I loved, I loved the look of the movie. It was beautiful. Of course, like, he's using, like, natural lighting. So some things are, like, really dark and creepy and some things are beautiful and bright. Um, there was some CGI, which I kind of liked, but I will say, Britt, you were, like, when we were leaving, Britt's like, oh, part of it was a little, like, maybe they didn't need to do CGI. Yeah. I don't think they could have done, I feel like it was one of those things where they probably tried to do it, but... Maybe they didn't have the budget or something. I will for say it, that or I, 
I will say the two CGI parts, and this is not, I'm not going to spoil it. So there's, there's a family tree. I feel like the family mm-hmm. tree could have been practical, personally. But I think the mm-hmm. ending ending, I think that's warranted CGI. It makes sense because yeah, I don't think there's any pretty. other way. You, yeah, it was pretty. It's just the tree. Um, and there were some <laughs> things. I, 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 so Katie knows this, and Katie knows this as well, my qualms. It's not a bad movie. And uh, I have read a non-spoiler review of The Northman that was like, this is kind of the most mainstream of Robert Eggers' film. And when I saw it, I was yeah, like, it okay, is. yeah, it is. Because it's like there's a lot more action. There's not as much yeah. subtext or mystery. And I think that's what I liked so much about The Vich and The Lighthouse was that there was so much mystery in between the lines of those movies. And another small complaint I have is if you're hard of hearing, and especially the Bjork yeah. character, I was only hearing every other sentence she was saying. So poor yeah. Katie knows that I was like, um, I didn't catch uh, the thing about the the Maiden King. They call they call like a the prophecy the Maiden King. And I was yeah. like, oh, because I was reading that, you know, Robert Eggers loves, like, he was a theater kid, so he, like, pours yeah. into research. And I tried to find the Maiden King, Queen, or no, Maiden mm-hmm. King, I'm sorry, the Maiden King. I couldn't find anything on it. And our friend Dalton's fiance, uh, she is very into North mythology and, like, Viking culture. I asked them, I said, Dal- Dalton, does Sarah know anything about uh, the Maiden uh, King? And they said that Sarah didn't either. So, um, yeah, so I'm still kind of curious where that came from. That's a very minor qualm, though. Yeah, I didn't even hear the thing about the Maiden King, honestly. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was a good movie. And I do think it's a pro and a con that it's the most mainstream because, yeah, like, I do think it's the most mainstream. I think I said that as we were walking out. But I was like, you know what? If more people want to watch his movies. And he also had a lot of star power in this film. Because, like, yeah. yeah, you had Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, who were perfect for The Lighthouse, but it was only two actors in the whole movie. Like, this yeah. was a much, it was an epic. There was an, it was an epic, there was a lot of action, it was very dramatic, and I think a lot of people will like this movie. And there were a lot of people in theater when we went, so I think it's a good movie. Um, definitely see it. I love Robert yeah. Eggers. I did see something to Briz, we were walking, I was like... Is he ever going to do something that isn't just a bunch of white people, though? Because, like, I don't know if he's just trying to stay in his lane because yeah. he doesn't like modern. He's not interested in making a movie about modern times at all. Yeah. And maybe he's just like, mm, not really my lane. Or, I don't know. I'm like, he seems too nice to be avoiding anything. Like, maybe he'll do something in, like, ancient Egypt or ancient Greece. Yeah. There were all kinds of people back then. Because I think I would like to see him work with other actors other than just... Yeah. The pool of white actors. Well, I like, think sorry, it was. But. I forgot to tell you about. I think I touched on it in the. Um, so when he, because uh, Taylor made a comment, he goes, "He must really Robert Eggers must really love Anna Taylor Joy because she was in this movie in the Lighthouse. I mean the um, the bitch." And I said, "You know what's funny is that she heard there was a mermaid in the Lighthouse and she wanted to." Play the mermaid, and Robert was like, "Oh, this mermaid character isn't for you." Which, yeah. uh, spoiler alert for The Lighthouse, but because The Mermaid is definitely a sexual ob- object, I just, yeah, I, I'm kind of, it's interesting. That's, like, an interesting thing to me. I did also want to say, for our for people out there who have an interest in the Northmen, uh, so even though this was, I kind of consider my husband my everyman when it comes to movies, and believe it or not, Taylor was like, I really like this movie, but The Vich is still my favorite of the three films he did. 
So yeah, I so, think I really really yeah. liked this movie, but mm-hmm. I think the lighthouse is the most fun to watch, and the witch is probably the most original. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all have folklore in them, and I like that. Um, but the cinematic, I will say, this movie is incredibly cinematic, though, it was which gorgeous. is really it was cool. Gorgeous. And there's some really great tracking shots. Mm, I love the tracking shots. Yeah, in this it's movie. beautiful. I would say, like, and it, it's actually very gory too, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, also, I did watch a couple other things. I'm trying to get through season one of The Flight Attendant, which is really good. I just started a long time ago, then stopped watching it for some reason, and now season two's out. So I'm trying to push through that. Um, it's good. Kelly Cuoco is great in it. Um, and I did watch Jackass Forever. I don't know if oh. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago, but I watched Jackass Forever over Easter weekend. And it, it's basically the same as Jackass, all the other ones, but they're older now. And it is like, like, Britt, I know you watch Family Guy still. That's like your, you know, turn your brain off entertainment. I love yeah. the Jackass films, unironically. I, they're just stupid and funny, and I grew up watching them, so, uh, they're great. And Eric Andres, which was one of my favorite, like, modern comedians, is in a couple of their scenes. And they have a woman, too, now. So, she got a, was it a scorpion sting Botox injection? Like, it wasn't really, but, was it scorpion? No, it was a scorpion. Um, it was funny. Um... But they were pretty, honestly, they were pretty gentle with her compared to what they did to the newer people. Um, but I really liked it. And if you like Jackass, you should watch it. But it's nothing different than the other ones. Although Johnny Knoxville did, once again, get knocked out by a bull um, for the fourth time. And he broke, he got knocked out and he broke his wrist and a rib. Oh. So. <laughs> he always does, though. It's fine. You know. And yeah. um, also, in theme with this week's movie, um, when they popped him out of a cannon, he was um, dressed up like Icarus. Oh. Which I was like, oh, thematic. Yeah. And they dressed up like Greek gods. Um, and then I also watched a documentary today <laughs> called Captive Audience, which is about the Stephen Stainer case, which he was the boy who was... Kidnapped at age seven by... Oh, I uh, saw that on Hulu. Awful okay. person. Yeah, and then seven years later, he, the guy captured another child, and he and he escaped with the little boy 16 days after he was captured, so he wouldn't have to endure all the sexual abuse that he went through. Um, and also, like, the guy had brainwashed him into thinking his parents didn't want him, but he was thinking about trying to go back to his family because he missed them. And so he came back... And the guy did go to jail, but the sentencing for molestation and kidnapping was, like, 20 months back then. So he was arrested again in 2004 because he tried to buy a child. Oh, my And God. then he died in jail in 2008. But then also, I forgot about this part, but Stephen Stainer's brother, Carrie, after Stephen died in a car, a motorcycle accident, um, in 99, he murdered four women. Oh, my God. And was, like, a serial killer who was caught. Those poor parents. Yeah. It's a lot for the... And it's, like, the whole family. It's more from their point of view than the media's point of view. And that's, I think, why they made it was because so many people have sensationalized it. There was, like, a made-for-TV movie. And it's just, like, that is just so much stuff to go through as a family. Like, jeez. But, yeah, he is in jail. He was convicted. He does seem to be sorry for what he did. 
though, and he does seem like he had deep mental health issues. And a lot of people thought it was because he wanted attention because his brother got attention, but it doesn't really seem like that. It seems like he had these urges for a long time and just never got help for it. And oh. um, it's very sad. It's sad because four, peop- four people's families lost them. And then this other family not only lost their son that they found again in a motorcycle accident, but now they've lost another son. And somehow it seems like just that's just insult to injury. So anyways, it's a very interesting documentary. It's like a three, I think it's a three part or four part documentary on Hulu, but it's very well done. And, um, if you haven't, I'm sorry if I spoiled the story, but even if you haven't had the stories boiled for you, it's interesting. Well, I guess we watched a lot of uh, mythology-based things, and that's important yeah. for this week's movie, because The Night House, unbeknownst to me until I watched it, has all of these folklore elements, which makes sense, because David Bruckner's other films also are heavily influenced by folklore, which I was like, oh, folklore horror, I think, next to grief horror might be my favorite. I don't know if I've... Mm, I don't know. I keep changing my mind, but I love folklore horror. There's something so... Yeah creepy about folklore and like creepy stuff so i think that's kind of one of the coolest aspects of this movie yeah it is pretty cool so and dave david bruckner is kind of like up and coming and i'm actually i think it's pretty cool because uh his first movie actually he did co-direct it was the signal like we mentioned in our intro with don bush and jacob gentry so it was 2007, mm-hmm. but then he didn't have his first feature-length movie that he did himself till 2017. So he was like involved in horror, but he I, I mm-hmm. liked it because it was like he he basically slowly worked upwards to where he is now, which is like the ritual, and then uh, the night house, which of course was mm-hmm. once again technically premiered in 2020, but now he's doing the reboot of the Hellraiser franchise too, mm-hmm. which is which a pretty I'm big holding deal. my breath, but yeah. Um, I will say the the first time I heard about David Bruckner was everyone, every like horror channel I would watch on YouTube would be like, oh, if you watch VHS, the only one you absolutely have to watch is Amateur Night by yes. David Bruckner. That's the best segment. And it is. It's really good. And like, it's, it, it's technically really good because like the whole reason it's a POV yeah. um, short film and... It makes sense because the guy has cameras on his glasses, so it makes sense that you're seeing everything from his POV. Like, like everything's explained, everything's neatly packed up, and it's kind of fucking terrifying. Well, you know what's hilarious, too, is that, so, VHS came out in 2012, and me and Taylor started dating in 2013, and it was one of the first uh, scary movies we watched together, and mm-hmm. there is a female character, I will not spoil her for you in Amateur Night, but right. she just keeps going, I like you over and over like throughout the short and to this day me and Taylor <laughs> so still fuck, we still fucking do that to each other where we'll just like randomly go I like you and like scurry away <laughs> yeah like- but it is based in folklore I'm not gonna spoil it here but there is a big folklore element to that and I was like interesting and then I did see the ritual last year and it is heavily influenced by Swedish lore and folklore and um cults and like cryptozoology a little bit (laughs) so um and it was really well done honestly there's like a emotional hook to all the horror 
Um, because it's a group of, you guys have probably seen it on Netflix, but if you haven't, it's a group of hikers that go on a hike in Sweden in honor of their friend who died. And so it's him processing the grief as they're going through this memorial hike, but then they take a wrong turn and it turns into like a nightmare. So it's got interesting because it's also like different elements. So this one, it sounds like they both have elements of grief and folklore horror in them. Yeah. and what's interesting, too, about that is, so I know the ritual is actually based off a 2011 novel, while this is an original screenplay. So this is not based off of anything. Mm-hmm. It's loosely, it was their loose draft for what the writers, and I will go into that when we talk about the writers a little bit, but it was a loose draft for yeah. the Hellraiser movie that they pitched. Um, but it also reminds that? me of Eurydice, this oh, yeah. movie, a, a little, little bit. bit. Yeah, I can see that, for sure. Until it doesn't. I'm actually excited for the Hellraiser reboot uh, that he's doing because it is now in post-production. So it's it's wrapped up. It's in post-production. Um, Isn't it the same writers, too? It is. The so same yeah. writers as The Night House? Oh, yeah. So uh, Bill, Ben Collins, Ben Collins and Luke Petrovsky, I think is how you found out his name was said. I think that's how we're... I could not find a pronunciation of his name on the internet. So that is how I'm going to say it. And I yeah. am so sorry if I said it wrong. So they're actually a screenwriting team. Um, they've worked on many David Bruckner projects. So Siren, which was inspired by the shortened VHS uh, Amateur Hour, The Night House, and now Hellraiser. Um, they also wrote the screenplay for a couple other movies like Super Dark Times, Stephanie and Yes. Um, Super Dark Times is on our list, but I haven't okay. actually gotten to sit down and watch it. But um, I did find this quote. I read this interview with them, and I wrote this quote down because I found it really interesting because... Um, David Bruckner himself was like, yeah, this was the Hellraiser script that didn't never got made. And it, it kind of made me go early. That's a, that's an interesting thing to say. And so, um, when they were thinking about rewriting Hellraiser, they said, we gave ourselves the task of finding, if you could retell the story with Julia as a sympathetic character, um, who's drawn into this occult world because she loses her husband. So they were taking this character from the original Hellraiser, which is like the bitchy stepmom. Wasn't Julia the yeah. evil stepmom? Yes, yes. She was so cool, though. She like, was I really love cool. how evil she is. But that's what they did. They were like, let's make Julia sympathetic because she loses her lover and she's drawn into this dark world because of her grief over losing her lover. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm reading. I'm like, I'm with you. I'm with you. And they said, but they didn't, they're like, when they pitched this idea, they're like, they didn't want to hear the movie, like, Black Swan. They didn't want to hear Art House Dreamy or Beautiful Hellraiser at the time. So it was interesting. So this, this concept was born out of that original script. But it makes me curious of what their Hellraiser is going to look like now. I'm wondering if we'll Well, see their Hellraiser moments. is a female woman. It's a female actor. Oh, so like, oh, wait, so wait, 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 you mean the actual Pinhead is a woman character? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's yeah. interesting. But yeah, so it'll be interesting. Um, I did think also there's some other like cool, um, uh, what am I saying, ties to other, mm-hmm. there's some cool ties to other GGP movies that we've done with yes. the musician. Because Ben Lovett, who does the music for this, which I love the music in this movie actually, both the composition and there's a song that gets repeated that I really like that song Mm -hmm. um he did the music for the wolf of snow hollow the ritual the beta test and the signal so that's amazing um, he also works with Jim Cummings a lot so um obviously he's cool to work with um and the cinematographer um has done a lot of stuff but she's worked on a lot of um 
video games. Like, she did a lot of video capture kind of games, like The Last of Us, like, when they do those kinds of captures. And she also just worked on The Girl from Plainville, which is another true crime miniseries. Um, but she also did camera work for Jackass number two. But yeah, I was like, oh, that's cool. It um, is cool. Is there anything else we want to talk about before we get into synopsis and spoilers? No, I think other than the actors, I think that covers a lot of kind of like the backstory with the director and the writer. The So I think, I think that yes. is pretty good. So. Yas. I think so too. Yeah. Yay! So we're going to go on to the synopsis and then the spoilers. So yeah, uh, it, we are talking again about The Night House is on HBO Max. Please go watch it. Um, I will give you a very quick synopsis. And it is still reeling from her husband's recent, recent passing. Newly widowed Beth starts to uncover dark secrets about his past as well as the house he built. And that's the movie, yeah. Um, so we are getting we are getting into spoilers, guys. So please jump ahead, go watch this movie on HBO Max. You've been warned, and yes. we are officially here. We're going for the plot. So we open up. This is beautiful lake house, and they actually um, found this on Lake Scanatrace, Scanatrace, which is in New York. And they said the reason they picked this house mm. was that it had a lot what they were looking for, and that they said the river reminded them of the River Styx, which. I think it's very interesting. Mm, Eurydice, Eurydice, Eurydice. Yes. Eurydice. Also, Persephone. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that is still part of Eurydice. Watch Hades Town, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Or I guess listen to it. If you're in New York, go see it on Broadway. So we do see uh, we do see Beth, and she gets walked to her door by a friend, and the friends made her a casserole, and we come to find out very quick that <laughs> Beth's husband just passed away, and she just fucking dumps. Well, I'm not about that. She's yeah. yeah she dumps she the dumps. casserole because she's um, like yeah. Which is Thanks. something you learn very fast about this character is that she's very impulsive. Like <laughs> yes, she and is. it's actually and very real of her. To yes. Be that way. It was very. It was a very real form of grief. I will yeah. say, having gone through a lot of that recently, um, and it's she's played by Rebecca Hall. I think we already mentioned that, but um, I had to like give her a whole fucking paragraph because her life is is it, her career has exploded in the last few years, but she's had a very long career. Um, but I find it interesting. Her parents, her mother, was an American opera singer, Maria Ewing who is of Dutch and African descent, and she was one of, like, she was this very, very well-known African-American singer. Um, She played Carmen and Salome, just to name a couple of her signature roles. And her dad was Sir Peter Hall, who introduced the English-speaking world to Samuel Beckett, because they did Waiting for Godot in French, but he was the first person to direct it in English in London. And that's pretty cool because if you're a theater person, Samuel Beckett, everybody goes gaga for Beckett. And Beckett's a good writer, but Beckett also is one of those people who's a stickler for how you direct his plays. Like, you can't change things. Anyways, she's had a lot of... uh, She's worked with uh, Christopher Nolan, Ron Howard, Sam Mendes. Um, She also worked with Woody Allen several times. And I think twice maybe three times and the last time was for a rainy day in new york which was the last movie that i think he did he made and that was a whole thing because all of the scandal stuff had like resurfaced with his quote-unquote alleged um 
sexual misconduct and abuse of minors, including his own children. And um, he, like, the U.S., I think eventually it did have a very tiny um, distribution in the United States, but I know when it first was coming out, nobody wanted to distribute in the United States, so it ended up going to, like, Europe. But she, Timothy Chalamet, and Selena Gomez, who were all in the movie, ended up donating their entire salaries to various charities. Um, and all were like, yeah, we're not going to work with him again, because this is ridiculous. So, it was kind of the movie that, the timing, just people started, like, actually being like, oh, yeah, maybe he did do that stuff. Because it was just, like, a big open secret in Hollywood, apparently. Like, so... It had very disappointing sales, though. And honestly, I, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a bitch, but once you've seen one Woody Allen movie, you've kind of seen all of them. Even though sometimes they have different characters, it's very similar. Um, and as we mentioned before, she had her directorial debut last year with Passing, which got snubbed by the Oscars. Um, that was critically acclaimed. It's critically acclaimed. It's great yeah, movie. Yeah, people loved it. Was it. Was it was a good it. movie. Yeah. It was great. And the reason she did that was because her mom grew up mixed race and that kind of, well, she was, like, obviously younger than the 20s and 30s, but, like, she grew up in a time before the civil rights movement, and she, being an opera singer who sang for mixed audiences, like, she had to navigate that weird world of, like, passing but not quite passing. Yeah. So, like, that's one of the reasons why she was so interested in it, which is why I think it's cool that her, like, she was inspired by her mom. But she was also in Christine. The I forgot she was in The Prestige. That movie is so uh, old. That's I saw that, it in high school on a trip. I love that movie. And that was actually the very first thing I saw her in. I saw her in that. And then I saw her in The Awakening. Which actually also has Isaac who played Bran and uh, Game of Thrones in that movie. When he was a very little child. Oh, yeah. uh, Isaac, so right? I, was, I love that movie. So, um, And it's kind of. It weirds me out a little bit. Because she looks like. Rebecca Hall looks like two women that I'm very close to. One of them being oh. one of my best friends. And even Taylor said that. Mm-hmm. He goes, she looks like a lot, a lot like Miranda. I was like, oh yeah, especially around the mouth. Oh, I guess and, I can see that. Yeah, and the eyes. I can see and, that. So that's where I was like, it's, and then it's also, <laughs> I have a family member who looks, who's also dark hair, dark eyes, and has those lovely freckles like Rebecca Hall has. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, she kind of looks like Brianna too. So this whole movie, I kept yeah. just going back and forth between thinking of Brianna and Miranda. Um, but yeah, but she's, she has one of those, she's like, she has a very classically beautiful face, so she's, she's, she's a phenomenal actress, but she's one of those, if, I don't know if you do this sometimes, but you're like, where have I seen her? And then you look her up and you're like, oh my Mm -hmm. god, I've seen her in so many things, but you just keep forgetting it's her. To me, I feel like she's like old world pretty, like, she's like, she looks like, if you put her in a Victorian outfit, she just fits perfectly in there. Yeah. Like, she has like an older... Like a not old like, like age, old, but you know she, what I mean. Like classic, classical kind like of classic beauty. features. Yeah. Like she, she's very classical. Like she, she looks like she could play Queen Victoria in yeah. a beautiful way. Like, and she just would fit in with that. Like, um, John Emily Blunt is like that too. Yeah, and they're I both British, so maybe it's that. But Emily Blunt's like she literally did play Queen Victoria. But you just put her in like a, you know, it's like the people in Downton Abbey. You can't just put anybody in a Downton Abbey outfit. Like, some people do not look like they fit in that time period. Like, they're just like, you are too modern. And that's not a bad thing. But, yeah. like, Rebecca Hall looks like she just, like, hangs out in Victorian England. Um, anyways. I get that. But, yeah. Maybe it's a British I, thing. I don't know. 
I didn't know if you want to touch upon Evan as uh, Rebecca's husband, Owen, who's yes, passed of away. Owen. Just because we see him in so many pictures at this point, too. Yes. So who uh, He's someone who I've seen so many fucking things, and recently so many things. Evan Jonikit, I think, is how you say his last name? Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be wrong, and I'm sorry. Um, he has such an interesting face, like a unique face that it's hard to forget. He kind of reminds me of... I'm blanking on the actor's name, but the guy in in uh, Mulholland Drive who tells the story about oh, yeah. the nightmare, and then he finds the guy and he scares him. That guy, he's also in season three of Twin Peaks. Oh, he's in a lot of stuff, and I can't remember his name, but he, they have a similar like facial vibe. Anyways, um, Evan has was in most recently played a cult leader in Archive eighty one, yes, um, which he was very good at. And also, was he the cult leader in the Empty Man, or was he just one of the no? Cult he in the in the, in the opening story, the cult open, the four friends. He's one of the four friends in the cult open. Okay, that's where he was. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and then he was also in Bone Tomahawk, which we've almost oh, done, and we probably will do eventually. So bad. Yeah. And then um, he was in, this was a movie that, like, I've been wanting to see, but I haven't watched. Well, he was in with Jason Bateman and Rebecca Hall, The Gift, which is, like, a thriller mm-hmm. where, like, some old high school friend comes and brings, like, a gift to Jason Bateman and his wife, who's played by Rebecca Hall, and it gets mm-hmm. real creepy. Which we, <laughs> since we, we touched on Beth and Owen, we'll, we'll go, we'll, we'll go back to the movie so I I know yes. you must love this song because I love this song and we hear the Calvary cross is heard for the first time in the movie, um, and it's loosely yes. it's loosely implied that this is Beth and Owen's wedding song. Um, it pops- is it their wedding song or just like their favorite song? That's why like I, I couldn't tell. I thought that'd be a weird song to sing. Oh, at your I was wedding. thinking that too, but I thought oh. it alluded to it. But um, no, I agree with you. I do think I've done it once, twice. I I do think it'd be a weird wedding song. But the only thing is, she you hear it the first time they're she's watching the wedding video, and I think it's alluded. But I did until I listened to the whole song. There's a line in there, and it's repeated. It says, "Everything you do, everything you do, you do it, you do for me." And I'm like, "Oh shit, yeah." Okay. I'm like, that's a great. That's a that's a great. What's it? The word that like to come, like it's a foreshadowing. Great foreshadowing. Oh, I was like, I was like, to come in what way, Britt? No, 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 great foreshadowing. <laughs> we don't have to go blue for this yes. movie. There's not uh, a lot of sex in it. Also, sorry, I thought that was a modern song, but it turns out it was. It came out in 1974, and I was like, whoa, that sound. That song sounds like it could have come out like last year. So, if it came out last year, though, it would be like an indie band. Yeah. Who only releases on vinyl? Right, You're <laughs> you just know like, who we're talking about. You know who you are. Um, but it's it is sung by Richard and Linda Thompson, who is a husband wife team. So if you guys want to go listen to the song, um, it's beautiful. I have it on my Apple playlist now. Um, but the Beth is cross. the Calvary Cross. Uh, but Beth is obviously <laughs> very very depressed. She eats a lot of pasta. She drinks yes. wine. Um, in the middle of the night, she hears pounding on the a door. A lot she, of drinking. Yes, a lot of drinking. That comes up a that's lot. A, that's a theme in the movie. Yeah. She is using substance to grieve, which is yeah. not recommended. No, not at all. Just putting it out there if you're grieving. Don't... Drinking is fine, but, like, it can... You, you don't want unhealthy coping mechanisms. Yeah. Like, not too many. Like, grieve your own... Everyone grieves their own way. But, like, also, like... I love this movie because it actually does take a really good look at, like, how you can see somebody struggling 
and how like it's kind of like the invitation where like the thing where like we didn't want to be rude so we stayed at the party and then everyone tried to kill us um but it's like this is like you know like when you can see that your friend is drowning and it's it's totally valid but you're like how do i help them without taking away their choice in the matter because if you take the choice away from them then they're not really healing you know well also friends and her neighbor constantly are like checking in on her and worried about her but you can't be with someone 24 7 especially when they're an adult well not just that it's a good way to look at it but being in the place of her friend claire with one of my friends very recently you're also so Mm -hmm. scared of saying the wrong thing that sometimes you don't say what you need to because you're so scared of saying the wrong thing too and not only that but there's another thing we learned with this particular character with beth she likes to fuck with her friends sometimes which puts her friends on edge even more. <laughs> um, yeah. I like her. I do like her. She she feels very real. Like, that's one of the best things about this movie is that Rebecca Hall breathes a life into Beth that she feels like a, a person you would actually know in real life. Um, yeah. And so we have our first kind of supernatural occurrence that she's asleep in the bed uh, where her and her husband shared. And she hears pounding on the door. And she thinks she sees a shadow looking at her for the door before she wakes up on the floor. So she's having her first mm-hmm. moment. She's like, was that real? Also, how did I go from my bed to the floor? And yeah. so she and leaves. she goes to work the next day. Yeah, and she notices the gates open. There's muddy footprints. So. And a gunshot. Yeah. Just randomly. Which is like the first jump scare in the movie. But it feels like, yeah. it feels authentic because that kind of stuff would actually yeah. happen. So There's not that many jump scares. Mm-hmm. I would say there's a couple moments that made me jump, but it wasn't like they were baiting you as much. There was maybe one instance that I can think of that was like a jump scare, but it wasn't the same. Like something was actually happening. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. But go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. So uh, she shows up to work at the auditorium, and of course, we find out she's a high school teacher, along with her coworker and friend Claire. Yeah, and Claire is played by Sarah Goldberg, who is currently in Barry, which oh, I have so seen good. a few of the first seasons. Yeah, and I, I need to watch more of them. But the, uh, it's really good. It was one of those I slept on it, and then I watched like the first like three or four episodes in a row, and then like I haven't gone back to it. But it's really good. Um, the Dark Knight Rises. She was a very small part in that, and the Report, which I haven't seen the Report. Um, but yes, I think she is very good in this role, and Claire is a very, like, supportive friend, and, like, Claire, like, they're both teachers at a school, and Claire is, like, obviously, like, her one, like, she's like, you didn't have to come, she's like, well, it's better than sitting at home, which I get, like, when you're grieving, it's like, sometimes you just want to get up and do something, and, like, not just be sitting around thinking about how sad you are, um, and then also Claire is, like, you know, she's, her husband's still alive, and she has kids and stuff, so they have, like, slightly different lives, but I assume there were, like, couple friends, like, they would come over for dinner and stuff, because they seemed that close. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of hard. And I didn't know if you want to take the next scene, because this was the scene that actually made Rebecca decide to take on the role. So. Oh, I love this scene, which mm-hmm. I forgot to write the actress who plays the parent, but basically oh, I did. a hostile I only, Karen. I only wrote down the five leads in this movie, so don't feel Yeah. Bad. So, okay, a a hostile Karen parent comes in and she's like is complaining that her son couldn't make up an assignment because Beth was absent on the last day of school. And Beth was like, yeah, I had a personal matter on Thursday. And she's like, well, he had a personal matter on the first day. And like, I don't think he should be penalized for that. She's like, well, my husband 
killed himself that day. Uh, he rode out onto the lake in a boat with a gun I didn't even know we had and shot himself in the mouth. And the mom's just like, oh, I, I'm so, so, so you want a bee? Here's a bee. She's like, oh, um, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. She's like, I don't really give a fuck yeah. at this point. So at this time, she's like, do you want an A? Let's go give him an A. She's like, no, P is fine. I'm so sorry for your loss. And leaves. It's very, I was like, oh, because I was like, I thought that was a perfect way to let us know exactly how he died. Yeah. And also, like, be a little bit of humor without being like, you know, funny, but also, like, yeah, that shit happened. But, yeah, it was, it's pretty funny. And then, like, she keeps having these, like, visions, like, every couple of nights. Like, she sees Owen once on the docks, and she thinks that she's seeing texts from him. Um, and she, and, um, oh, well, she and then also, she finally sees, go ahead. Yeah, oh, no, I will say, so, yeah, she also, um, She's she's going for his shit, which I can only imagine how hard that is. So she's trying to figure out what to donate and what to get rid of. And she finds a book and uh, that she gave him. There's a reverse floor plan of their house with notes saying to trick it. And that night, the cavalry yeah. cross plays again. So it's like, okay, the yes. stereo is either broken or something weird's already happening. So, Which that happened after my grandpa died. Was it randomly just started playing um, shit? You're, uh, Woody Nelson, who my grandpa loved. Oh, wow. So, for me, it was a happy thing. I was like, oh, hi, Grandpa. But, um, uh, it could, it, it was also kind of terrifying. But you were saying she time. was, run, she ran into, she was running into Mel to ask him about the shotgun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and also, she sees a, a book about care droyas. Mm, or yeah. mazes. Mm-hmm. They're Welsh mazes, specifically. Um, yeah, so she runs into her ma- neighbor Mel, who's also a GGP alum, yeah. because Mel is played by Vondi Curtis Hall, who was from East Bayou. He's married to Casey Lemon. It's Casey Lemon's husband. He's um, so and cute. He was also, this is where I saw him. I don't think we mentioned this. He was the captain, Captain Prince, in Romeo and Juliet. Baz yes. Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. And then, um, he was also apparently on Chicago Hope for a really long time. I and really like him. He's a good actor. I wanted to see the movie Blue Bayou that came out last year, and he's in Blue Bayou. That's his most recent movie. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Maybe it'll come to streaming. Yeah. Um, and he's really nice, and he, like, says, like, you were here for me. You and Owen were here for me when my wife passed away. And, like, they live in a lake house, so, like, they can't really see each other's houses, but I think they can see each other's docks. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of Funny Games. Which is why, like, I will probably never own a lake house. Like, <laughs> there's too many movies where people are just isolated. Um, but um, she asked him if he was shooting, and he's like, no, I wasn't. Yeah. Oh. Like. And you're like, okay. So she's like, okay. Who was? <laughs> and, like, you mentioned she found, she thought she was receiving texts from him, and then she's like, maybe it was a dream. So she goes for his phone, and as she's going for his phone, she finds uh-huh. a picture of a woman that looks like her, but it's not her on it. Yeah, and she shows it to Claire, and Claire's like, well, I think it is you. She's like, I don't have that shirt. Yeah. What the fuck? And you're like, oh, that is really creepy. And Claire's like, and but the- there's there's worse things than finding pictures of women that look like you on your husband's phone, fully clothed. Yeah. And she also specifically says, don't worry about that. Don't remember that. Remember your Owen. Yeah. Which is foreshadowing again. Mm-hmm. Um, but Claire and then she does go break. out with Beth. <laughs> Yeah, Beth, Beth and Claire go out to drink with two other teachers, Heather, who I did actually write them down. Heather is played by Christina Jackson, who's in Deception, Outsiders, and The Good Fight. 
And then Gary, who's played by David Abels, who seems like he's mostly a musician, but he was in the web series Submissions Only, which I have actually seen because I was required to watch it um, for a theater class. And it was a cute little show about um, auditioning in New York theater scene. And Noah Wise and Begin Again, who did have a lot of uh, A-list actors in it, and it seemed like there was a lot of music in that movie. Um, and she just brings Owen's suicide note. Apparently yeah. she's carrying it with her in her purse. Which, you know, everybody grieves differently. Yeah. But I believe it is bloodstained, which is a little bit... I don't know. I would have put it in a baggie, personally, but that's yeah. me. Well, she also reads know. it, too. And, you know, she's like, the note said, <laughs> you were right, there's nothing, nothing's after you, you're safe now. And so at that point, Claire's like, yeah, we're taking you home. So... Yeah. She, she makes a lot it. of gallows humor. It's yeah. pretty funny. Um, well, but, oh, but I do think Gary makes a very good point where he's like, when you live with someone for such a long time and then they're not there, you feel like they're still in your house. Because yeah. she tells them that she feels like there's a presence in her house, but she doesn't really believe in ghosts. Yeah. She um, does admit to Claire, though, because she says she lies to their, their co-workers and says she had no idea what he meant. But then when she gets home, she tells Claire, she was like, I died when I was 17 in an accident for four minutes. And afterwards, people kept asking me what happened, and she's like, I lied and said I couldn't remember, but there was nothing. She's like, and I always thought there was nothing. Mm -hmm. I had depression. Owen didn't. He was convinced there was something greater than this. And this was the jump scare that kind of got me, is that, and the editing is very masterful, because she falls asleep on Claire's lap, and Claire's like, do you want me to stay? And she's like, just until I fall asleep. And there's a noise, and so you think she's on Claire's lap, but then she jolts away, and Claire's out of the room, and there's just, like, this ungodly noise that's, like, almost, it's not a scream, but it's something loud like a scream. Yeah, but I think she's also in bed, and you're like, what? What she's happened? On the couch. Yeah. And then I think the Calvary stereo song is playing again, too. Um, and this is when it gets really ghosty. Yeah. Um, because, uh... The stereo's on, and she hears someone say, open the door, and she goes outside, and she sees these screaming women running, and she chases them, because she's like, what's going on? And then a lot of them jump off the cliff side of the house, but yeah. she doesn't see anyone at the bottom of the cliff, and she's like, what the fuck? And they're all pale and brunettes. it gets even creepier. Yeah, they're all pale brunettes. Yeah, they're all yeah. pale brunettes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, uh, and then she sees another house across the lake. And she's like, what? And the voice tells her to go to the boat. And she sees this, like, she sees, like, the boat the way she found it after Owen committed suicide. Because he had neatly folded his clothes. Yeah. And and also there's bloody footprints. She's seen footprints on the dock a couple times. And this time it's bloody footprints. And she feels something touch her. Like a human. And she thinks it's Owen. And, um... She, because she says, show me if it's you, and then she sees the bloody footprints, and he seemingly lifts her into the boat. Yeah. So that's interesting. And, yep, there's another house. Yeah, she, it's like she wakes up on the other side of the lake, and she sees a house that's identical to hers, um, and she hears a voice say that she's dreaming, and it's, oh, it sounds like Owen's voice. And so she sees multiple women in the house, and Owen kisses one, but when she goes to open the door to the house, she's back in her home. So, yeah. like, at this point, she doesn't really know what's, a, when she's awake, when she's asleep, when she's dreaming. It's all kind of 
muddling together at this point, too. But it's only happening at night. Yeah. Which, obviously, the night house makes sense. Um, also, in the house, so we always say this, everything is backwards, even the house numbers. Yes. Which is weird. Um, but yeah, I love how they edit because she like opens the door to the house and then she sees herself laying on the couch and then she's laying on the couch and no one's at the door, but the door's open and you're like, what the fuck? It's like, it really messes. Fuckery. And I've watched this movie twice and I'm having issues like trying to figure out because they purposely messed with like the house and the set design and mess with things. So even though you're not noticing, there's things out of place and on a subconscious. It's kind of like the ghost in the mm-hmm. haunting of Hill House, where it's like you don't really yeah. know they're there the first time, but when you go back and watch it again, you're like something's off, and it's like oh shit, because there's a ghost in the background. Just <laughs> like oh. so, I'm like trying uh, to figure out. Sometimes much off. closer than you realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and also like they did build optical illusions into the house, so mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the effects were practically done. So there's a couple of visual trickery th- scares that happen later on in the movie, and those were practically done. Yeah. So they actually did. If you've ever played, I know you've played. I think you've played this Resident Evil Seven mm-hmm. when you're doing like the shadow. Yeah. Puzzles. Mm-hmm. One one of the scares reminded me of doing that because she's like, like she sits from a certain angle. It looks like there's a person, and then the person turns towards her. Yeah. Oh. It's terrifying. It and I was really like, scary. it reminded me of when you do those sh- the shadow thing. Because, like, yeah, so. It's a really, I love that game. I, yeah. Um, and this is cool. But she, uh, she, she becomes, like, kind of, like, a little bit freaked out, understandably. So she goes for Owen's desktop, and she starts to find multiple pictures of brunette women. And so she decides. It's folder marked other, which is never a good sign. Yeah, you're just like, never uh, what sign. the hell is going on? So she's like, I'm gonna go find this fucking house, and she runs into Mel, and he's walking his dog, and he's like, please, for my own peace of mind, don't go tromping around the woods, and she's like, mm, I'm going to anyway. So she does find the house, unfinished, and under construction, and inside she finds the statue of a tortured woman, which I know you want to talk about this, and it's important oh, to so- know real quick that the container is cracked. Because that's an important thing in the mythology of this yes. is that the container is yes. So, So, also, the boots she's wearing, she's wearing duck boots. I have those boots, but a different color. I was like, I have her shoes! Because her foot, like, at one point, her foot goes through more, and I was like, I have those! Um, but she finds a statue of this woman. Okay, so, let me go back to my research page. So, this is based off an actual voodoo doll called the Louvre voodoo doll, because I believe it is at the Louvre. Um, it's a 4th century French voodoo doll from, like, the Greco-Roman era. Um, so, because I think France was called Gaul at that point, I do believe. Um, so it is a clay figure impaled with 13 bronze needles, and it was discovered within a terracotta vase alongside a lead curse tablet engraved with a binding spell. So basically, it was like a voodoo doll in... Greco-Roman, French, you know, the Roman Empire kind of era, which we always think of voodoo dolls as, like, uh, I feel like a Caribbean influence, but, like, I think people have had voodoo dolls for a very long time. I think it's one, I was, like, I was surprised that it transcends different continents. I was, like, oh, even creepier, but it is very creepy because it's, like, a woman, woman's figure, the one that you see, because she sees a picture when she's doing research, um, it kind of looks like that fertility goddess mm-hmm. statue, but instead of her, like, looking all, like, full and beautiful, 
her arms are bent behind her and her legs are bent backward, almost in like a hog tie position. And then she has these bronze needles through her. And this figure is like that, only it kind of looks like those drawing figurines you buy at the art store. Yeah. Because it's much more like modern looking. But the original statue looks a lot like that famous fertility statue that I can't remember. Ven- oh, it's called Venus something. But you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, but yeah, very creepy. Very creepy imagery. Which yeah. comes back into play later. And um, so... Also, I immediately... This was this isn't a spoiler. Spoiler is just where my head went. I was like, okay. These are my notes at this point. Okay, so Owen was a serial killer. Maybe the other house was where he killed people. Also, that totally looks like the woman... In the beginning of True Detective Season 1, which also had mazes, and she already looked at the maze book. And I yeah. was like, oh, maybe they're all getting the inspiration from that. So she ends up going to Mel's house because she assumes Mel knows something because he tried to stop her. And he's like, he didn't know nothing about the statue or the house, but he does admit to seeing Owen in the woods with a woman who Mel initially thought at first was Beth. So it was another, like, you know, small pale brunette woman. Da, and, da, da. I know, right? And so, um he also Owen also admitted to Mel at this point that he had some shameful urges. Um, but Mel didn't ask him what kind because he did come to Mel's house in like the middle of the night and he was muddy and upset and he was like, I have shameful urges and so he never told Beth about it because he's like afterwards you guys were together, you seemed happy. I just didn't want to ruin that. So, in a rage that night, uh, she starts digging for Owen's boxes. Finally, uh, she finds the book with the Welsh mages, uh, and which was also in Owen's notes. And she also finds the sketch of the doll. Uh, she manages to find where the book is sold, which is at a bookstore called Books and Melodies. And she decides to go there. And that night, she hears a fud. And she does see a figure in the architecture of the house, which is what Katie's uh, talking about. It's like... It's kind of like, it looks like a head and like the top torso of a man. And then she turns and it's suddenly like, it's not there. And she's convinced at this point that's Owen. And like, Owen isn't showing himself to her for some reason. It doesn't feel like a true jump scare, but mm-hmm. it does creepily creep me out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so she, and then she does look through this book and it's about Care Droyas, which is a Welsh turf maze usually in the seven this is straight from wikipedia usually in the sevenfold cretan labyrinth design so like the isle of crete which is the um minotaur's labyrinth Mm -hmm. and they kind of look like i think the difference between them is like mazes are used i I listen to a stuff you should know offshoot podcast i think it's stuff that will blow your mind about mazes and mazes are used to trick you labyrinths are usually like an artistic pursuit where like there is always an answer but mazes have a lot of dead ends whereas labyrinths if you just follow the path correctly you'll it it ends up opening and there's not as many dead ends in them Uh, or i don't know if there are any dead ends but labyrinths you can follow it pretty easily but it's just very meandering so it's very long to get through whereas Mazes are kind of built on trickery, which I think is important to this movie, which I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. No, I would definitely agree with that. 
And so this sparks like she's like, okay, she goes to Books and Melodies and she's like thinking that she's going to find out more information like if Owen had books on hold or what he may have also purchased. And instead, she goes and she sees the lady from the picture. And so she introduces herself to the girl who ends up uh, being a woman named Madeline and confronts her about knowing Owen. I don't really blame her, but she also kind of scares the crap out of this poor girl. Yeah. So Madeline is played by Stacey Martin, who was in... I haven't watched this yet, but my parents actually watched this miniseries, The Serpent, mm-hmm. about a drug dealer in South America, which they said... And a cult leader, I think, in South America. Um, and they said it was really good. I haven't watched it yet. She's also in Vox Lux and High Rise, um, which I... High Rise is on my list, but I haven't watched it yet. Um... But she played the younger version of the main character in the Nymphomaniac movies, which I have seen. But, um, so she, Beth tells Madeline that Owen committed suicide, and Madeline's like, I didn't sleep with him. And that's something, like, she swears by, she didn't sleep with him. So. And she apparently didn't know he killed himself, either. Mm -hmm. She seems really shocked. Yeah. But, uh, Beth does tell Claire what she had found out that night. And Claire advises her to take a step back, and um, she's like, you know, you may never know what Owen was thinking. And she's like, you know what, you're right. Beth tells Claire, she's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to get out of the house, I'm going to get a room. Um, And then when she starts to leave, Claire tells her she loves her, and Beth doesn't respond. Which, to me, would worry me so badly as Claire in that moment. Uh, I think it depends on... Yeah. Your relationship, too, though. Yeah. Because some people... I know I'm very comfortable saying I love you to people. Yeah. But I know other people, it is a big fucking deal to them. So maybe Beth isn't a big I love you person and Claire is. Yeah. I don't know. But it was also, like... She's also, like... She's like, are you being serious, though, Beth? Because I need to make sure you're being serious. And she's like, ha you're like, okay. And she does start packing up. And I really, I will say this, I do feel like Beth would be, like, the type of person, like, I love you too, bitch. Like, she would have to, like, throw something, like, sassy at the end of it. But you're right, she does start packing up, so. But then Madeline just fucking appears. Which she gets, okay, the thing is, she gets really upset because she's asking Owen to, like, you know acknowledge her she's like i'm leaving show yourself and so she hears like a knock at the door as gizmo scratches at my door um for no reason he's fine he just went outside um but it's madeline madeline's like in the car and she's like i think i needed to tell you some more stuff so madeline comes to the house and she admits she's been to the house before and she's like, I had a dream when I got home that I was you, but I was also me. And she's like, it compelled her to talk to her. And um, she's like, you know, Owen invited me to the house for a day. And then he showed me the other house. And Beth's like, oh, shit, you know about the other house. And she's like, yeah, he asked me to hold a weird statue. And then he held me and he started to shake and cry. And he started to kiss me and I kissed him back. But then he put his hands around my neck. And she's like, but he didn't do anything past that. He took me home. He said he was sorry. And she's like, and that was the end of it. Also, he kind of gaslit her. Yeah. Because he was like, oh, no, it's my fault. Yeah. But then she ended up blaming herself. And I was like, "Mm -hmm." And Madeline's Madeline's reading is actually like, he felt guilty for cheating on you. Like, is what the takeaway Madeline had from the whole thing. But then, Madeline leaves. Um... 
And Beth, once again, goes into the fucking woods because she can't stay away from the fucking house. Even though it's raining. Yeah. And she tells the house slash showman that they need to have a talk. And I didn't know if you wanted to go over this scene because it's your duck boots and the floorboards. Duck boots! Go through the floorboards! Yeah. By the way, duck boots are a great investment. She goes to the house. She's looking through it. Her boot goes through the floor. She looks under the floorboards, and there's a bunch of dead bodies in plastic bags. And it's like, oh, oh, he is a serial killer. Okay. Um, and then she runs back to the house. She calls Claire, who doesn't pick up because it's really late. And she leaves her a message. And she's like, I don't know if what I'm seeing is right, but it really freaked me out. Like, please. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm terrified. And then I could, okay, it almost looked to me like she left the phone line open, but she must have hung up. Mm-hmm. But when she put the phone away, I thought maybe she was leaving it open in case, like, something did happen to her. Um, and so she goes to take a shower, and as she's taking the shower, she, because uh, it was raining and it was gross and dirty and dead bodies. Um, and she's not even sure if she saw the dead bodies. That's the other thing, is, like, you know, she's not even trusting herself. But... She's taking a shower, and she hears the Calgary cross song again. And she gets out of the shower, and then it stops. And then she's obviously very frustrated. Um, and then... I think she this sees is hair. She sees hair written on the sees, mirror. Yeah, she sees here, and she walks towards the mirror. And there is a presence. She believes. But it's interesting the way they do this, which I didn't look this up, but I have a feeling... That the way they made it look like she was touching something invisible was probably with air pressure. Because that's what it oh, kind of yeah. looked like to me. Like, maybe they had pressurized air blowing onto her skin so it indented. And I kept reading that this scene was all practical and Rebecca felt really awkward because she initially thought maybe there was going to be someone in a green suit in front of her. And instead, David was like, have at it. And she was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I have, <laughs> she I does have, a very good job. Yeah, she she does an incredible job. And, um... I will say this, so she described it as the scene where she's like, I thought I was going to have sex with a ghost. Like, it's what she, and when you watch yes. the movie, you, I did the first time think that she was maybe going to have sex with a yeah. ghost. I was a little bit like, oh, are they about to get on? And then she's like, she asks if it's Owen, and then he says, no, I'm not. Oh, oh no. Which, I'm sorry, I never really, I was like, I don't trust it. Yeah. I don't trust it. It's too creepy. Like, the thing is, like, I'm sorry. If your loved one wants to speak to you beyond the grave, it's not going to be fucking terrifying unless your your relative's, like, fucking Hitler. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be evil. You know, it's going to be, like, nice and serene. Like, playing the song is fine, but, like, making her have creepy visions and leaving bloody footprints, that's not that's not what Owen would have done for her. Um, so... Then it turns into a bit of the Invisible Man. Yeah. 2019. 2020? 2019? 2019? I think I it, was like it was 2019. 2019. Yeah. I feel like that's yeah. right. Yeah. But yeah, so, um, let's see. I actually did write this kind of <laughs> shot for shot. So, the door slams shut. She's trapped. She sees another woman in the mirror, but it's not her, but it kind of looks like her. And there's a, another man who looks like Owen who slams her into the mirror and kills her. And then Beth tries to run, but she's also attacked and slammed into the mirror. And then she kind of comes to, and she's like, it's almost like the upside down. Mm-hmm. Like, she's in her house, but everything's backwards, and there's other couples and other women that look like her running around. And the women are like, hide, hide. 
Um, and she hides from the peop- the the guy that looks like Owen, but then the shadow force is coming towards her. I don't know. I call it the shadow. Whatever the shadow thing is. Yeah. Nothing. As we have Nothing. Learned, I do, I do call it nothing. He is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she runs and see another, so she goes downstairs, there's another couple that looks like her and Owen, and at first they're just making love, and then he starts to kill her, and you're like, okay. And then they do these really cool optical illusions where the house is, like, stretching and changing. Yeah. Um, which I love those kinds of, like, oh, fuck. Um, but it's done really well, because I think because it was done practically, it doesn't look silly. Yeah. Like, I think that practical effect could, it looks genuinely scary. Um, and then she gets thrown down the stairs... Only to find Owen sitting on a couch during Christmas, stroking the head of someone who looks just like her. And then he tells her, this is okay. So then it starts, the pieces start to fall together. And I like that they kind of explain it, but not, like, over-explain it. Mm-hmm. This guy, the guy, who doesn't really sound like Owen, but he does, but he doesn't. He's like, you left the night we met. And she says, you're not Owen. he's like, yeah, um, I'm what you saw. When your heart stopped beating. And I've been after you ever since. I've been looking for you. And I've been whispering over and over to Owen to send you back. And I'm nothing. But apparently, Owen didn't, like, did hear the voice. But he didn't want to send his, kill his wife. So he was, the reason he was killing women that looked like her was to try to trick nothing. And it did work for a little while. Yeah. But... Then he realized, which makes it kind of weird why he killed himself. Yeah. And see, I understood. Which I guess he was just guilty. And I understood everything. Like, I understood everything because I I noticed that that was a reoccurring thing that some people thought the ending was confusing. I wasn't confused by the ending at all, but I was a little bit confused, like, if the women, like, if there was an other world and the women were trapped in it that he killed. Because they are running. Yeah, or are they just spirits of what happened in the house the yeah. bad things that happened in the house that was the only thing because he also me. says later that owen's not there yeah so everything else made complete sense uh, except for the other women like when she sees them jump off the cliff mm-hmm. and when she sees them tell her to hide that was the only thing that didn't make sense to me but everything else did uh, maybe i watched too many ghost hunting shows my parents really like ghost hunters international but there's something called a residual haunting oh yeah where it's like it's not an intelligent haunting where people are just... Oh, you, you watch ghost things, too. <laughs> we both watch ghost shit, y'all. That's what you're talking... It's um, like, almost like when, like, a ghost will walk through a wall. That, and it's not because the ghost is walking through the wall, but because maybe at one point in the house that was a door. And they are walking through... Yeah, well, they're just repeating yeah. a pattern of when they were alive. Yeah. So, like, they're not aware that they're dead and they're not aware. So, I thought maybe it was supposed to be, like, a residual thing. Because mm-hmm. they keep running off the cliffs. Like, maybe a couple of the women tried to escape... Or maybe, I don't know, but yeah. maybe they are trapped and they're trying to escape nothing. Yeah. Too. That might be another thing. But you know what? They explain some stuff and not everything. Yeah. So at least they explain that the reason that her husband was a serial killer. But that's not the biggest twist because he wasn't just killing people because he was evil. You think it's about the husband. No, it's about Beth. Yeah. And it always has been. Yeah. And it's really, it's really, it's really interesting too, because like, I think it was Rebecca Hall herself that was like, there could be a literal reading in this movie too. Like it could be everything you see in the movie is right, but it could be like a woman just struggling with depression and nothingness after her husband passed and then topping it off, finding out he was a serial killer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and she makes a very, when she says the line, 
I wish it were morning. Yeah. Early, like, earlier in this sequence, mm-hmm. she says, like, I wish this was over. I wish it were morning. Oh, it's on the voicemail, yeah. Yeah, to me, like, that's almost like the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Like, I know there have been periods in my life that have been not great. And I just, I have said to people, I've probably said to Britt, like, I just want to skip ahead to the good part. Not just, not, not in the TikTok way. But, like, I just, I just want to be in the good part after all of this. I know I have to go through this, but can I just skip ahead? Yeah. And just not go through it? That's almost like, 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 she wants to be in a place where she's better. Even though grief never goes away completely. But you do learn to live with it. You know, she wants to be over it, but the thing is, she does have to take a journey to get better, which is, I think, what's going on. Yeah, and the two things this kind of reminded me of at this point was that there's this idea of, like, us as human, and this is, like, getting complex, is, like, you know, after we die, we want, like, you know, if you're a Christian or if you're spiritual, you want to believe there's an afterlife. Like, that's the optimistic outlook, and that's what you want to believe. But we really don't know if there is nothing or not. And I kind of like right. that reading. And it's kind of like it follows. And it's really weird that I tied it follows into this. But there's a there's a theory <laughs> I love about yeah. it follows. That it follows. The thing that follows them isn't STD. The thing that follows them is death. And the only way to combat death is for procreation in life. And so, like, there's this idea that nothing, nothing's always there. Death is always there. You have to learn to live with it and walk hand in hand with it. Yeah, so. yeah, I definitely think nothing is a symbol of death. Yeah. Or or Hades, or which is why there's a lot of lake imagery. And it does remind me a lot of Eurydice and Persephone. Because um, Eurydice, if you don't know, Eurydice went to the underworld and then, wait, yeah, wait, yes. Eurydice was the girl, right? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Orpheus and okay. Eurydice, yeah. <laughs> And Orpheus, yes, I was like, what was his name? And Orpheus went to go get her. You know, she had to follow him, but he couldn't look back. He had to trust her, and then he did. And that's what, and And it's interesting because the Orpheus and Eurydice myth is so prevalent in so many movies. Like, even Portrait of a Lady on Fire talks about the Orpheus and Eurydice myth. Mm -hmm. And what could it have been? And Hades Town is about Orpheus and Eurydice. It's basically, but Hades and Persephone is another love story that is in Hades Town because Persephone was married to Hades, but she was from springtime. And he's, she lives, the reason spring is so beautiful is Persephone brings us spring. Oh, because. Oh, Demeter. Um, she brings new life. Yeah. Her mom, her mom's Demeter. Yeah. But Persephone. No, oh, well, you're right. So, te- okay. So, Persephone brings the spring by coming to see her mother in the springtime. And then her mother is the spring goddess, or I can't remember her specific title. Yeah, the goddess of, like, the harvest and the goddess of nature. They cut the mom out of Hades Town, so I'm sorry. I forgot about Demeter for a second. No, it's okay. Although that was a really cool early 2000s perfume brand, Demeter. I didn't know that. It was a perfume rom That is cool. Yeah, it was really good. It was very, like, natural perfumes. Um, But, yeah, so, but Persephone, like, when she goes to visit her mom up on the surface, everything's fine, but she's stuck in Hades most of the time. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> I love lots it. of mythology. Lots of folklore, y'all. Yeah, it's awesome. We love it. Now, I did think this was interesting, and this actually kind of for some reason reminded me a little bit of Midnight Mass. So, 
she tries to get away, and when mm-hmm. she does, it forces her into the shape of the doll. And her head is thrown yeah. back, and she looks up and she sees two moons, which feels like... She's like the blood moons. Yeah, like she's caught between two worlds. Like the living and yes, the dead. which is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which one do you want to choose? That's basically like, do you want to choose the living or the dead? Yeah. Um, I will say, Claire does come to her straight in the morning. As soon as she wakes up, she does show up, and Claire's looking around... And, um, I can't remember, I don't, I didn't really get what she saw, but something oh, triggers the, her to look outside. Oh, the gun is missing out of the evidence oh, back. Me. The gun is missing out of the evidence Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, I was like, I was like, what did she see? But then I was too into the movie deposit. Yeah. So, I was like, well, I'll look at it later, and then I forgot. Um, but yeah, so she's, she and Mel see where Beth is, because Beth is sitting in the middle of the lake, in the boat, where Owen killed himself. With the gun in her lap. And they're like, holy fucking shit. And I love this because they go from the underground, the other world, whatever you want to say. She's in, in her mind, and the real world. So, like, because, you know, like, a lot of times they're like, oh, this is what's happening in the real world. It's symbolic. But, like, they actually show you what's going on in the real world. So, I assume when she was having these nightmares before yeah she was either sleepwalking because she did say that owen also used to sleepwalk yeah so i think he also was haunted by this which i guess well okay no i think we know why he killed himself i think nothing tricked him into killing himself oh it may have been yeah you're right yeah because the because he was sleepwalking too but anyways but go ahead finish it off finish it off because we're almost to the end yeah and so um though nothing tries to convince beth to come back to him to kill herself, Beth puts the gun down, mm-hmm. and as she puts the gun down, Claire Claire reaches her in the boat, knocks her over into the water, and gets her to shore where Mel helps her out. And so as mm-hmm. Beth looks out over the water, she's like, I'm here, I'm here, but she looks out over the water, and she sees the shape of nothing in the boat. And literally mm-hmm. Mel's like, Mel's like, there's nothing out there, what do you see? Or no, he goes, what do you see? There's nothing out there. And she goes, I know. And that's how the movie ends. That ends. Yeah. Which, okay, like, happy enough ending without being overly joyous. But the thing is, is it going to come back for her? Or has she won? Well, that's the big thing. I don't know. If we're talking about it, which we think is this literal idea of death, it's like, it's always there. Like, it's always going to be near. And I think also it's very telling that in the bar scene, she talks about having depression. She's like, I was the one that was depressed. Owen wasn't. So those dark thoughts of, like, death, that's always going to be a part of her because she's already suffering from depression. It's just like, does she learn to live with it or does she eventually give in to it is the thing. And we really don't know the answer, but we want to believe that she learns to live with it. So. Yeah. And I will say, like, I felt so much tension towards the end Mm -hmm. because, like, when nothing is pretending to be Owen about to take his own life, like, reliving what actually happened. Yeah. Um, like, I was like, oh, no, he's gonna, like, I was, like, literally, like, don't do it. Yeah. Like, in my head. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Um, so, uh, what are our pros and cons of this movie? Oh, I would say the biggest pro to me, well, the two biggest pros are I love the editing in this movie. I thought it was really brilliant. The Mm -hmm. practical effects and the way it's edited, it's absolutely terrifying. Um, 
the house. Yes. I, I love the idea so of architecture horror, which I'm like, architectural horror. And you think of the Shining or maybe Dawn of the Dead because the mall is a very important setting. And I like this kind of new idea of playing with, like, houses and making them a real part. Or the Haunting of Hill House. Oh, yeah. The Haunting of Hill House is a the great example. The whole point of yeah. Haunting of Hill House is architecture. Yeah. And hiding things from other people and how, like, because that one room is the heart of the house. Yeah. And stuff. It's brilliant. Like, Bly Manor is a little bit, but Bly Manor is not as much about the building of the house as what happened in the house. Yeah. Um, and I love that. But. It's interesting. It's really, really cool. Um, so I love the editing. I love the practical effects. I love the setting. And then Rebecca Hall just is so amazing. I mean, there's she's great. There's other actors in this movie, and they're absolutely great at what they do. But it's like a one woman show a lot of the time because so much of the focus yeah. is on her. The entire yeah. movie. But I will say, like, there were no bad roles. Yeah. Everyone gave very strong performances. Even, like, the girl who played Madeline, who only had, like, two scenes. Like, they were very convincing, powerful scenes. Like, everyone did a really good job. I, I really liked um, the casting. I also love the music, mm-hmm. because it wasn't overpowering. It gave you just enough um, mood, um, but also and there wasn't a whole lot of loud noises. There was, like, one time they did jump scare. And it was a practical jump scare, and it, like, it wasn't terrifying. Maybe there was, there were, like, two or three. But it was pretty low for, I almost wrote, there are no jump scares. And I was like, I guess technically there were, mm-hmm. but they didn't feel like jump scares. They felt earned. Yeah. Um, but I also loved, like, the repetition of, like, the same song. There's, like, it's like the, the song in your next where, like, the CD is oh, skipping, yeah. like, that thing. Like, I love that idea of just having, like, a song playing mm. in the background, like, uh, diegetically, like, just, like, naturally playing, and that's, like, coloring the sequences. I love those kinds of things. Um, and also, there was a really cool point in the um, sound design when Beth is looking in, through the woods for the house the first time there are flies buzzing. In the sound design, but you don't see any flies. Oh, you don't see any. Oh, yeah, that's smart. And it's not until, like, the, when she finds the dead bodies, you're like, oh, it was called. Because I was like, are the flies. That's what I was like, oh, my God, there's going to be, like, dead bodies in that house. But then you don't see any. And I was like, well, then why are the flies buzzing? There must be something else going on. And then when she finds the dead bodies, like, aha, they were. It's like they're almost calling her to the house. Yeah. Um, And then, obviously, the folklore aspect is just chef's kiss and it's a great way to look at grief and death and trauma and yeah the ending really got me i was like oh my god i really liked this movie i really was very pleasantly surprised like it looks good but like i it was a lot of times movies like this i will love the build-up and then the ending like the empty man yeah like the build-up was great but then the ending kind of petered out yeah this like it had a solid ending and it was a little bit like an early 2000s movie kind of ending, but I liked it because like, we're just dealing with one character and her fate, and so I feel like it was fine to end it like that, and I felt like it wasn't creepy, it wasn't too creepy, and it wasn't too abstract either. Like, we know the answer of what it is, but we just don't know, like, her future. Yeah. But there's some hopefulness, but it's not too hopeful. It's not like life is perfect now. But it's written which is you're, normal. But it's written in such a way that Beth is a very believable character and you believe like the decisions yes. she makes and the choices she does because her grief yes. is leading her to these choices. And I did like those yes. resounding themes too because it's like 
a lot of times we see this grief horror and everyone is living in the moment of the grief and very rarely do they like have the trauma of what happens afterwards like we don't we know like yeah. someone's loved one has died in this like horror movie but then it's like for them to literally fear not just losing that person but the thought of what happens after someone dies too that's like doubly yeah traumatic so um yeah yeah did you have any cons um i so the ending i don't think the ending was bad and um i did i i wasn't in love with it I didn't hate it, but I wasn't in love with it either. I think that was the biggest complaint I saw in reviews was that the ending was unclear. I felt like it was pretty clear. I wasn't, I wasn't confused. Without trying to... Yeah, I wasn't confused you know. by it. I wasn't confused by it. It's just that she seemed... Okay, I guess... Okay, if we're looking at this from a real perspective, and if someone really... Like, you talk... Not talk, but like, you read interviews with women whose husbands really were serial killers and they're like i had no idea yeah like they led this double life and her and him have been married for 14 years so maybe there was this realistic aspect that he slowly killed these women over 14 years time so it wasn't just like you know 20 women the last year and a half but it just felt i don't know it doesn't it didn't it wasn't confusing i wasn't confused that wasn't the issue it just didn't it didn't feel like something added up to me and i can't quite put my finger on what that was i mean that's that's fair yeah that's fair um i the only thing like there was that that's what i read in a lot of reviews that were negative there weren't a ton of negative reviews actually for this movie but like was like, oh, the ending was kind of... Eh. I For some reason, I liked the ending. I didn't really... I expected to be disappointed, but I actually thought it was a much better ending than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. So, I actually liked it better than the ending of the ritual, honestly. Um, but I, the only thing, like, I will say, I never thought the entity was Owen. Yeah. Ever. Because it just seemed too sinister. And too, like, a trickster. And so... To me, like, I, I I, don't know. Like, I wish I had thought. I mean, maybe they just didn't want to, like, maybe they wanted to be able to have subtext that if you were reading it right, like, you were like, I knew it. But I was kind of, like, I was a little disappointed that I didn't know that it was him. Yeah. So, but but I, I still think it was good. That was, like, those are literally my only cons, which I think is pretty good because the movie's really well made and really well done. Yeah. And I think anybody who likes a... Like, once a nice psychological thriller, this is great. This is almost like Secret Window. Like, where it's, like, a really good thriller, but it's not, like, overly complicated. Yeah. You know? Like, I feel like Secret Window is a very contained movie about, like, a thriller. It's a thriller. Um, I don't remember if you've seen Secret Window Yeah, I not, did. But it's been With a Johnny, long time Johnny since I watched it. Yeah. Yes. It's been a long, long, long time since I watched it, but... It was very much, like, kind of that vibe where it was, like, contained. This is a very contained story, and I like that. Yeah. Um, again, like The Empty Man. I really like The Empty Man, but I feel like that one went all over the place, and you're like, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but, yeah, that's, yeah. But I think all in all, a very good movie. No, I, I highly recommend it. I did like it. I mean, Rebecca Hall really anchored the film. And the movie, like, even the ending, I didn't hate the ending. That's not, like, so if it comes across that, like, I hated the ending, that's not what I'm saying. It's just more, like, 
it made sense, but I felt like something was, there was an integral piece missing to how we got to that part. And I can't figure, I can't put, I don't know if I need to watch it again, but something I can't put my finger on is off. But the atmosphere was That's great. Okay, the architecture was awesome. The setting was great. Uh, the music was cool. Rebecca Hall was amazing. So all in all, um, I didn't have a lot of qualms with this film. I mainly really liked it. So, yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Um, highly recommend. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, did you have a out of ten rating? I did. So I gave it a seven point five, very close to an eight. Um, <gasps> yeah, me too. Okay, awesome. Yeah, it was. I I almost gave it an eight, but I think there was just that one thing I just quite couldn't put my finger on that I was like I don't think this is an eight movie. I almost I almost did a first and did like a seven point eight, but then I was like maybe that gets too. <laughs> yeah, so. I I was like I liked it a lot, mm-hmm. but I also was like a little bit like yeah I don't know if I can give it like an eight because I don't know if I can really like. It wasn't, like, one of those, like, oh, my God, just the best movie ever yeah. kind of thing. Um, but it is really good, and I do think people should watch it. Um, did you have a Grand House Girls rating? Yes. I really wanted – I, this is not my favorite. I really wanted to do, like, a rated A for architectural horror, but then I couldn't find another thing that was an A in this movie. So I just rated it B for boats and booze. Okay. Yeah. I, I like mine. Rated D for dolls, doppelgangers, and death. There you go. That's that's pretty accurate. So that's a good one. Yeah, I just love the doll. The doll was probably the creepiest yeah. imagery. <laughs> you like put of the whole thing. You. This is you. I what slams the doll on the table. Yes. Like it's so creepy. Yeah. I did not like it. I mean, it, I mean, I liked it. But no, it's really like, creepy because oh, it's like the one of the needles is like literally pierced for like her genitalia and you're like that's just that's unsettling yeah. to me like it's like never mind it's there's really not never mind there's pins in her <laughs> heads it's the it's the pins for the genitalia that i'm just like mm, mm, unsettling yeah. so yeah exactly exactly okay so thank you for picking that movie Britt. i really really liked the night house and it was a fun one to talk about there's a lot of stuff so um, and next week, so, okay, this is kind of, um, a, I'm not really sure how this one is going to turn out, because this is a movie that I absolutely loved as a middle schooler slash teenager, and I would rent from Blockbuster over and over and over again, and I saw that it was streaming on Tubi when we were watching The Hurt We Share, and I was like, oh my god. I haven't watched that movie forever. I wonder how it's aged. And also, it takes place, like, at a lake. I don't know if it's a lake house, but a house has something to do with this movie. And also, there's apparently a sequel that just got made, which is, like, decades after the original. So I'm kind of curious what the sequel is. Although we will not require you to watch the sequel, but I am planning on watching the sequel. If you haven't guessed, it is The Glass House, um, which is currently streaming on Tubi. And it is, it stars Lily, I, Sabuski, Sabuski, I never know how to say her last name, but she was like kind of an it girl art house actress in the early 2000s. 
and she was in like Eyes Wide Shut and Never Been Kissed. She was the nerdy best friend in Never Been Kissed. Um, and she hasn't done a ton of stuff since then. Lily Sabisky? Sabesky? Sabesky? I never know how to say her last name. Anyways, but it also weirdly stars Stellan Skarsgård, who is the dad of um, Alexander, and Diane Lane, and Chris Noth is in it, which I didn't realize, which, you know, he's canceled, but, uh, anyways, I was trying to figure out who directed it, though. It's 2001, so yes, this was a middle school movie for me. It only has a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb and a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and I'm very curious if it's aged well or not. Um, but that sounds kind of fun. The director most recently has worked on House, True Detective, and Lovecraft. Wow, all pretty good shows. Yeah. So I remember looking interesting and being like a cool psychological thriller, but I'm also kind of like intrigued if it did not age well. Yeah. Either. So it'll be a fun one. And since I've been picking such dark, creepy things with highly disturbing content from France, then I'm going <laughs> to pick a non French movie <laughs> that's not disturbing, but is it's like a psychological horror. Um, and it's streaming on Tubi right now. If it's not streaming on Tubi when this episode airs, which it should be, but if it's not because this is going to air in May and we're recording it in April, um, you can rent it on Amazon Prime as well. And The Glass House, I think, is playing the second one, which is called Glass House, The Good Mother, is like, I think it's playing on Amazon Prime. Okay. So, um, it's interesting. Um, yeah. So with that, uh, watch that movie for next week. And we'll, that'll be episode 98, so then we just have one more episode after that before it's our 100th. Yep. And let us know, like, what you guys would like to hear for our 100th, because we have some ideas, but, you know, we're also like, what do we want to do? What do you guys want to hear? What do you guys want to hear? But uh, stay safe out there. Um, Keep your wits about you. Wash your hands. Take your vitamins. Be good to one another. Hug your fur babies. Hug your real babies if you have adult I mean, adult, adult babies. babies. Yeah, <laughs> those babies. are called husbands. I, or yeah, or you know, grown children that still live with you. Yeah. Um. Uh, watch a good movie. Support your local theaters, and yeah, just have love one another and be good to one another. But watch some spoopy movies. And let us know what you guys are watching. Um, and watch The Glass House, because I'm very excited about this. But we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And we can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Yeah. Um, a lot of what Katie says, we love you. Thank you so much. Um, please, as always, uh, if you have suggestions, if you have movies you'd like us to review, if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, DM us. Uh, we also love comments. Please comment on things and tell us, like, I like this or you guys should do this. We love that kind of shit. It's so awesome. Uh, this is a reminder, drink your water. Uh, I'm in, Me and Katie both, I think it's allergy season here, so uh, my nose is constantly dripping. Oh my god, it's awful. And I have to keep hydrating myself because I'm like, oh my god, my throat. Um, but So yeah, drink yeah. your water. Stay safe. Uh, take care of yourselves and each other and of course we just look forward to seeing you next time same spoopy time same Mm -hmm. spoopy channel yep stay Stay spoopy spoopy y'all night night
Good night. Or goodbye. Good, good day. <laughs> good afternoon. Bye. Good morning. Good evening. And good night. <laughs> Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.